High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Four minutes past 12 o'clock. Good afternoon. How are you? Is it my imagination or does it feel like spring has sprung? Actually, I take those words back. I know it's still a month before we hit spring, and I do not want to be punished with a cold front. So um, I really am enjoying, though, the shift in weather, and I hope you are too. And it kind of gets us in the mood for a public holiday tomorrow. And so today's show is all about the public holiday tomorrow. What do I mean? Well, we're honoring women um, during today's show, and very specifically mothers, Mothers, daughters, um, that's what we're going to be focusing um, on today. This is the DL Link Show. Um, we connect you through insights, information, and illumination here on 101.9 High FM. I'm Nikki Seberini, as always, so delighted to be with you for the next hour. And, um, you know, I was looking at poems, and I was thinking about Maya Angelou and that her beautiful poem called Phenomenal Women, and thinking... What am I, what, what poem can I read? What can we do? And because if you go back, um, to that day, um, on the 9th of August in 1956, when over 20,000 women came together and they marched on the union buildings and just imagine what that was like during the height of apartheid. Um, you have repression, you have people who are being punished, you have people who are disappearing, you have, um, a society that is so polarized, um, the, the racism, this, this really dark period in, in South African history. And so these women took to the streets because they wanted to march against the, the pass laws that, um, people had to carry, uh, black South Africans had to carry passes. Um, and I, you know, you've got to think about the strength. You've got to think about the power. You've got to think about um, you've got to think about what it takes to brave these South African police, knowing that people just disappear and and having such a strength in your conviction um, to march those streets. And that's, that's why every the 9th of, of August every year we we commemorate, we salute these women and because these women have had children who have had children who have had children. And uh, and so the bravery continues. So that's sort of the the mood of today's show. In fact, one of our guests a little bit later, pre-record, uh, um, is Tsipiso Posa. And uh, Tsipiso's father is, of course, Matthews Posa. He was the premier of Mpumalanga. And her, her mother um, was also a, a, a resistance uh, fighter, so to speak. She was arrested. And uh, she spent the night in jail while she was pregnant with Tsipiso. So it's just the power of these women. She didn't eat anything that night in jail because she didn't want to be poisoned. She didn't want her baby to be affected. Um, so, wow. So I, I hope I've set the tone for today. And I do want to read a poem because our next guest is such a warrior and she's a warrior as a mother, just what she's endured and what she continues to endure um, with a smile on her face, with gratitude in the moment, her love for her child. So I came across this poem. I think it's beautiful and I hope you enjoyed it. It's called My Mother is a Warrior. My mother grew up in the sand among wolves and sheeps, the herd was her family. She was a nomad and the first to flee in her generation. She ran with her family when the bullets hit our home. My mother carried all of her children in her arms. Through landscapes she saw lions and elephants running. 
She saw the fear in their eyes. Our paradise had been sold to the devil, and everything with a soul was leaving. When the sky turned dark, she climbed over spike fences. She crossed the border. There were her brothers awaiting, and their eyes glowed in the dark, greeting her to safety. My mother built a house with her hands, only to witness it being torn down. My mother is a warrior. She survived the worst, and gave me the best—a future. Beautiful poem. So, just before we stop for a quick break, I'd like to very quickly introduce our guest, who is a warrior, and she has climbed over a spike fence, and she has built a home for her son, and um, and she is ensuring that he has a future. Joe Fundamolen, welcome, Joe. Lovely to have you on the show. Really, a breast cancer warrior. And uh, here in her full glory, full <laughs> glory, Joe. Lovely to have you on the show. So as I'm saying hello, hello, I'm about to say how are you, but we're breaking for ads. Okay. So you can think about that one. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Just before the break, I introduce you to our cancer warrior, our breast cancer warrior, Jo Fundamolen. Um, she was uh, in the magazine Buddies for Life. We've spoken about Buddies for Life. She appeared in the May-June 2019 um, sharing her story. And that's one of the reasons I read that poem because also in this magazine are just more stories of mothers, pregnant mothers, um, you know, carrying in their womb babies, having a cancer diagnosis, and just the warrior, the woman, the strength, the the desire to look after this baby, um, and how how one can overcome any obstacle um, to ensure one's baby's um, survival, one's baby's health, one's baby's thriving. And Joe, you can really, really speak to that. As I said, how yeah. are you? I mean, you were, about, you were about to answer, how are you? And we shut you up. It's <laughs> yeah. no way to treat oh, a guest. That's what my mother always said. Introduction <laughs> and a welcome. Thank you for having me. It's um, incredibly uh, privileged, especially in Women's Month. It and, is. Um, yeah, being um, where I am in the journey and... Um, yeah, so every, that, every day is a journey. It is every day. And but w- what I've read is is that, you know, your presence and your gratitude. So for our listeners who haven't read your article, let's <laughs> yes. go back. Let's go back in time. Um, you know, you getting married and having this great desire yeah. from a young girl, this great desire to have a baby. Have a baby. Hey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about that. Well, um, it was uh, all those gifts came quite late in my life, in my mid forties. When I met Simon, my husband, mm-hmm. and it was a long, long journey all on its own to have Matthew, our son, named Gift from God, because mm. um, he had his name as soon as we knew he was confirmed. He is my gift from God. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I had the most incredible pregnancy, most wonderful, beautiful wedding. Uh, the three of us got married <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, Simon, me, and Matt um, had a fantastical uh, wedding. Just the happiest day of our lives. Uh, Matt was born two months later. And um, I had picked up um, a lump in my breast during the pregnancy, early in the pregnancy. But as so often happens, they just didn't 
put it down to anything more. So because your breasts are changing when you're pregnant. You yeah. know, the breasts change. The, was, they feel different. So I was in maternity at yeah. 12 weeks. Right. Uh, really? <laughs> okay, bars, so there we yeah. have it. Can, can so, I ask you, Joe, what did this lump feel like? Um, well, why were you concerned about it? A small little pink, a small little node, like something just, yeah, like, Heart, a, like a knuckle. Uh-huh. Yeah, like a little knuckle poking up. Uh-huh. And, um, so yeah, um, just, I think we had the most incredible pregnancy, a great moment of birth. Um, the difficulty was Matt was born and, um, people would say, oh, I'm so fantastic, fantastic about your child. And, but after t- two weeks, uh, battling to breastfeed and eventually getting diagnosed. I went to Carol Ben. It was great to go straight to mm. the um, phenomenal, phenomenal human woman, being. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so mm. many people go through such a journey before they get to her. And um, it was metastatic to the liver by the time I got how, to the How order. old was Matt when you were diagnosed? Twelve days old. He was 12 days yeah. old. Okay. So, yeah, wow. So let's, really so, let's, so, so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to go back to, you know, me giving birth. And of course mm-hmm. you have the flood of so many emotions that mm-hmm. you cannot control this overwhelming love. Yeah. You know, for some, it's this overwhelming, oh my goodness, what's going on? Yeah. Some have an instant bond. Some don't, but you just not yourself, really. The tears no. just come. The, and at 12 days when you've got Probably all of these hormones, yeah. you diagnose sort with of taken cancer. away. Everything was taken away and, Suddenly, you. I was in chemo a month later, yeah. Red Devil chemo. Yeah, wow. Uh, it was wow. really tough on my husband. He, uh, thank God for my family. My mum would take Matt and me, and we'd camp out for four days after treatment, or however long it took. Really, so, incredible mother again, yeah, yeah. the mother. But out of a cancer diagnosis comes the gifts you. You get gifts. My sister arrived from Cape Town at one month, one moment's notice, leaving four children just to come and be with me. Mm. The family support, the people who come out of the woodwork, the network. You, the people say, how do you do it with an infant? Um, I can tell you, it's a lot easier going through chemo with an infant than with a two-year-old because a two-year-old, he's aware of when mommy loses her hair, mm. takes her hair, he rubs her hair and says, no hair, mm. and he, he's my. He's my cherub child. Mm. He always has been. He has been. My, I think he was my cherub child through this whole journey. But now he's also my leveler. Mm. <laughs> he keeps things into perspective or forces me to keep things in perspective. Sure. Yeah. Wow, Joe. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, people have come onto the show, have spoken about the Red Devil, talked about how you are just finished. It like yeah. you, you collapse. That was tough. Yeah. You collapse and you, um, don't, you don't function. Yeah, and <laughs> to have this this little infant who needs yeah. you and you need. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it brings to mind lots of questions. Did you have those thoughts? The why me? Come on, God. I've waited my I, whole life. What's yeah. going on? Let's. They, they say you decide on the day you're diagnosed if you're going to live or die. Uh-huh. And I, t- I told you we went through a number, we went through three years to have Matt to finally, um, have the blessing of him. And I turned to mom and I said, I've waited all my life. God wouldn't take me away anytime soon. Mm. That was before the metastatic, <laughs> you know, before it had got, it was, it had all seemed a bit simple then. <laughs> but I still feel that way. Wow. So, I, so, yes. You, you ask questions like now going through chemo a second time because I had an incredible stable response to the treatment, to the Herceptin. I mean, the cancer was gone in the breast. When it's HER2 positive, 
the chemo was gone in the breast, killed the cancer in the breast in um, after my chemo. Wow, but very the liver, the liver okay. has been doing its job. Okay. The liver is what's got um, putting up the fight. Okay. There was a time after radiation and specialized, it's called stereotactic radiotherapy. I was actually no active disease on my scans end of last year. So this was a real shock in May to find. I mean, the day my article that you referred to was published, it was the the MRI showed a re a re was metastatic. The disease is supposedly never gone, but it was sleeping, and I wish it slept a bit longer. Mm. <laughs> so we're going through chemo again, lost my hair again, and um, yeah, it's tough because there's medicines that. Um, I've been on Herceptin all along because it's um, immunotherapy. It just has to keep everything at bay. Um, there's also medicines that at the moment I can't afford, so we just do the best we can with what we've got. Um, and uh, where was I going with this? Basically, it's you wonder why me again. I haven't mm. isn't once enough, mm. you know. Um, the attitude of living like a girl without cancer, like I was last year, is that I'm not enough. Anyway, so, yeah, you do ask the questions, but you've got to go through the dark to get to the light and mm. get to a place that you can uh, get up, dress up, show up. Mm. <laughs> and, and you're Matthew. Matthew is my cherub, uh. and he helps me. I believe a lot in gratitude. I believe mm. a lot in joy. And Matthew helps me find that every day, even if it's just in a smile, especially at two the things he says, you go like, my word, <laughs> wow. Are you, write, are you writing them down? I am. Oh, I will, yeah. Oh, you yeah. must. You must yeah. write them down. Yeah. I've got a little book and I often, going to, I often sit yeah. down and just go through the book because yeah. you forget so quickly. I believe know, so. So yeah. just write them well, down. Well, I know that, yeah. It's all a bit Let's, of a blur. Oh, yeah, it really <laughs> is. Let's take a break and, and we'll you. continue, Joe. Stay with us. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Ah, thank you so much for staying with us. Um, as I said, uh, Women's Day tomorrow. We're looking at women. We're honoring women. I'm focusing a lot on mothers um, and what mothers endure um, to ensure the survival of themselves and their offspring. Um, and I have in the studio such a warrior, mm-hmm. Jo van der Molen, who's sharing her story of... Um, you know, trying very hard to have this baby, three years, then uh, falling pregnant, feeling uh, a lump in her breast early in her pregnancy, but being told it wasn't anything. And then when her baby was just 12 days old, she was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer and, and then it had spread to her liver as well, went into a very brief remission and now the cancer is back. And uh, Joe is undergoing intensive uh, treatment. Um, Joe, we, we were talking about the, this feeling of, you know, I can't believe it or the anger or all of these things. And you obviously wanting to contain that because you have a son, because you, you've said gratitude is very important. I want to go to having a lump in your breast when you were early in your pregnancy and nothing being diagnosed and and wanting to know how you deal with that. How have you dealt with it? Mm, You can't change the decisions you made, the avenues you went down. And I also look at the year we had. Um, It was such a fantastical year. I love being pregnant. Mm. Um, I love preparing the wedding. Mm. I love preparing for Matt. Mm. And I ask, I don't know what I would have done if at any stage of 
before or during my pregnancy, I would have, what would I have done? Mm. Would we have terminated? I wouldn't have Matthew. I would have gone through chemo. I would have had the most traumatic, um, I wouldn't have coped emotionally, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. whole sense of knowing I'm carrying a baby and, uh, yeah. So everything for a reason. Mm, and we, we are where we are and you can't change a thing. Oh. It's should have, would have, could have. Oh. I don't think I could have done anything different. So the word is acceptance, right? Yeah. Hey. Acceptance. How were you before <laughs> you've had this lesson? You spoke about there being gifts. Mm. The gift of acceptance or have you been a person who's been able to accept things in life? No, generally? not always. I like things to be perfect. Mm, don't I'm we all? Over right? analyt- I get told I'm analytical. Mm. And, um, over ex- very high expectations. And um, patience has also not been my virtue. But with the cancer journey, well, with Matthew first and then the cancer, it's taught you you have to be patient. You've mm. got no choice. But mm. I still battle with patience. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the the... Going for treatment again, and as you say, when you've got an infant, it's one thing. When you've got a little toddler and he's aware and you're saying, Mommy. So how, what is your conversation? What is your dialogue like with your two-and-a-half-year-old? I sometimes just tell him I don't, he's having a a frothy, he's having a little tantrum. I say, Matthew, I don't have the energy to fight with you. Mm. Um, I pass him on to Dad, actually, Mm. and Dad's. Simon's been amazing mm. The way he's coped this year. It's almost like Oh this is all An old hat I know what to expect Also Matthew is a lot Less demanding um, You know as an infant I did all the feeds Even though I wasn't breastfeeding I did a lot And Simon really battled Now he's very hands on And really holds it together I was at hospital After my first chemo It killed my immune system mm. For a week And Simon really held things together mm. uh, My family really held all of us together, and the friends and family. I've got a little group called Joe's Journey. Um, they support me on that. And I also, um, yeah, you just get through to the next. So the conversation I have with Matt is when I lost my hair, I said my hair was naughty because I showed him it coming out, and he just goes, hey, gone. And he just he accepts gone. that he gone. Oh. <laughs> and that's the mommy really sad. And 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 that's did he say mommy yeah, sad? One day he was having a meltdown, which in public, which induced me to have a meltdown in public uh-huh. with him. And he just said, "Mommy sad." And I said, "Yeah, mommy sad. Uh-huh. Mommy crying. Yes, mommy's crying. Aww. It's okay." <laughs> he's amazing. amazing. He really is my cheer up child. So, he's yeah. am- so he sounds amazing, Joe. Yeah, what a is. what a beautiful <laughs> gift. Yeah, and 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 talking about Simon, the strength of yours being there, as you said, when you were first, you know, first diagnosed, first going for no, the treatment, your mother down. would your mother would take you yeah. off. But let's talk about the men who support the woman. Oh, you know, we've got women's day. When do we have men's day? We I have women movements. We have, you know, women empowerment. And I'm all for that. But I'm yeah. I'm not for men bashing. And I'm not for excluding men. And oh. you are who you are with your husband, Simon. Yeah. Supporting you and, <laughs> and, and for him to hold that and for him to be this vessel for yeah. your pain, for your disappointment, for your yeah. happy, for all of those things yeah. must be pretty tough. Well, men on, in general don't deal with emotional stuff and don't deal with hospitals. Um, especially Simon's like one of those, but he just holds the fort. He does know? what he so has to do. It's funny. I've got 
my dad who will take me to the hospital and uh-huh. then Simon who will go and fetch Matt from school. So my dad is supporting me and Simon is holding normalcy in Matthew's life. Right. And for me, I'd actually rather him be holding Matthew's hand right there yeah. than mine. So it's not always about supporting you. It's about holding the family mm. stability. And that's that's what he does. Mm. Um, I mean... You've seen in that article other stories of men who really have been able to cope emotionally and hold, but those are very far and few between. Yeah. But just we all we all scared of what happens, and we all have to make the most of what's happened. Mm. Um, um, my mum got diagnosed, as you know, a little bit after me, and you know hers was stage two, but she's also dealing with every day. Every cancer survivor deals with the reality. Cancer never leaves you, mm. even if it supposedly leaves your body, even if you're stage two and you have it cut out. Never leaves you. It's entered your world and it's a part of your life. And you're a different person. You're Uh, never the same. uh, After you've gone uh, through, after you've heard those words, you're never the same. uh, Going through with a child does put it in a completely different context, which is great. Which is why you've reached out, right? Yeah. You've started this Facebook page for mothers who have cancer. What is it called? Mothers Beating Cancer. Mothers Beating Cancer. I decided I didn't really want to do an average blog like everybody, every other Joe. Excuse the time. I don't want, I mean, I actually battle, even whether I'm in treatment or not, I battle with all these pages with everybody else's sub story and new diagnosis and fears and all of that, I didn't really go even to support groups. I think it does have its place, mm. especially when you're newly diagnosed, but when you're two and a half years down the line, you're a little bit fati- jaded. Yeah. <laughs> so I um, have I started a page for basically a motivational support, inspirational page of um, connecting and also informing and educating people. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. Also, you know, support walks and stuff like that, the fundraisers. Um, and just, I went, we went to one long before I even imagined I might be diagnosed. We went to Angels Walking, uh, my friend B and I. How was that? It was awesome. Was we it? walked with angel wings yes, around the car. I, I believe track. it was outstanding. I heard about it. And a little oh. young girl, she was in her teens and she spoke. And the word B and me, we still throw it at each other. We say, find a moment of beauty every day. And mm-hmm. that was long before I was diagnosed. I'm talking about 14 years ago. That oh, those wow. kind of things still sit with okay. you and you support those things, never imagining it's going to be you one day. Okay. Wow. 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 Yeah. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about you now with your treatment, um, what you still have ahead okay. in terms of your treatment. Yeah. Well, um, the Herceptin will be ongoing. Um, even like in stages when the cancer was not detectable in the liver or in the bones or in the breast, they still treat it. They've got to just keep it at bay. Um, then it erupted. So then Georgia, my incredible um, oncologist, said, Joe's, we need to start chemo again. So I'm on another round of Taxol. Mm-hmm. She says there'll always be a plan. And she's always promised. She says, I can promise you manage, not gone. And we don't know for how long. So okay. I plan on seeing Matthew turn 21. <coughs> they say two years response is a good response. I say, no, you don't understand. I need 20. Mm. Um, so that will happen. I am um, in the situation where, of course, there's new technology, new medication. Thank, thank goodness for that because I'm so blessed to be diagnosed now, not 10, 20 years ago. But there's new stuff coming out all the time. So I'm on a medication called Herceptin. Then 
Um, the, the chemo will finish in two months' time. I'm halfway through that. And I've got another three. And then there's another medication that my doctor wants called Pajetta. But these all, when they're in their patent, are very, very expensive. Yeah, I mean, sure. Perceptin is 20,000 rand a shot. Wow. And I am blessed. I have got, um, I have been um, afforded a disability benefit mm-hmm. through my company that I'm still employed by. Mm-hmm. On, wow, um, through that's them. incredible. Yeah, they've, they've held me this whole time. Sure. And a medical aid that pays they give me a really good basket. And no, it's never going to cost anything, especially not when you're metastatic and you're ongoing. But then there's new medicines that are coming out that aren't covered by medical mm. aid. And that's really hard because I have want to see, I've got to see my son grow up. And I've got to do the best I can. Yes. But sometimes you can't afford it. Mm. So um, the medicine's called Pajeta and that's 40,000 rand a shot, and it will be ongoing. So I can't afford it. So at the moment, I'm doing the best I can with what I can. But I have also started a fund, a backup buddy fund. Yes, yes. Um, I've taken Joe's journey and I've opened it up to the Mm -hmm. public because I did keep it small and personal Mm -hmm. um, to share, but now I've opened it up. So I've got a fund where basically I've opened it up to See what I can do. I think Becca Buddy is incredible. incredible. It really gives people mm. an opportunity who want to help yeah. in some way. Yeah. You know, they think I've it's got these amazing. funds I want, and then they can go to Becca Buddy and yeah. they can decide. That it's really is, and it connects you once again yeah. with community and the human spirit it and is. generosity. And it's incredible what goes around comes around because when I was first diagnosed, my family um, started a a fund for me. Well, they started an initiative called Run for Joe, where um, my brother-in-law, Andrew, and his girlfriend, Catherine, they started a Run for Joe campaign mm-hmm. for Pink Drive. Okay. So we actually raised 30,000 rand for Pink Drive through, um, through my guy, through an, uh, an analogy to co- running comrades and getting through chemo. It was incredible. <sighs> then that ran its course, co- and we got 30,000 rand. And now Phoebe from... Pink Drive is also helping me. She's put me in touch with other groups who are also going to try and help me get the, my medication covered. Um, because it's not a fault of the medical aid. Um, they're, they, it's they, just, they as you it's say, just, it's just it's medication just, it's is just, very costly. Yeah, yeah, it's just really mm. scary what um, things are. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I just, Find that moment of beauty. That's what I was going to say. I just, mm. It's taught me to stop mm. and make time. I've got to admit, I do still sweat the small stuff, and I do get caught up in everyday stresses. That's never going to change. But on mindfulness, the mindfulness, 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 mindfulness. That's it. And actually taking a deep breath mm. and taking the small things, uh, even just be a moment with Matt or... The gifts that come through. Mm. The moment is a beauty. Every mm. moment is a beautiful moment. It's a moment. gift. That's it why it's called the gift. present. Yes, yeah. it is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, Joe, um, I did a pre-record a few days ago with our next guest. I'm hoping you're going to stay in the I'd studio and listen because yeah. so we can continue chatting. This uh, Tepiso Porsa is, mm. as I said, the daughter of Matthews Porsa. So you can imagine growing up, your father's a premier of Mpumalanga, your mother, Pinky, uh, is it Pinky? Poppy, Poppy Porsa. And she was in Parliament. And so, you know, there's a, there's, you, you know, you've got big shoes to fill, but 
the angle that we looked at is having a father who for a lot of your life wasn't even around because he was exiled and a mother who, yes, she was arrested now and then. And, and you know, the, the power of this young girl growing up in South Africa. So I hope you enjoy um, the great. interview that's that's coming up. Um, here she is. Um, uh, Tsepiso Posa. Hope you enjoy the interview, which is going to take place just after the break. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 Chai FM, welcome back and thank you so much for staying with us. I'm Nikki Seberini. This, of course, is the DL Link show. And as we've been saying, you know, Women's Day tomorrow and what an incredible celebration it is to go back in time, um, all the way back to this tomorrow, uh, August 1956. 20,000 women marching to Pretoria. Um, can you just imagine that in those times? Can you imagine the height of a that these women gathered, that they had the strength, that they had the power, that they had the insight, and they had the drive to stand up for against something that they felt very strongly about. That, of course, protesting against uh, legislation that required black South Africans to carry a pass. And so every year on the 9th of August, we commemorate, we remember, we salute and we honor these 20,000 brave women. So we thought we'd bring incredible women um, your way on the show today. And so we continue with insights and we continue with inspiration. And, you know, to have... I have a beautiful young woman in front of me who's achieved so much, gone through so much and achieved so much is a wonderful thing. Um, I'm holding Tsepiso Posa's um, brand new book, her debut novel really, Fueling Futures, that she co-wrote with Timothy Maurice Webster. So uh, Tsepiso, welcome. I- I'm really delighted to have you on the show today. Wow, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here today. So we are in a coffee shop. This is a pre-record. Um, so if there are little clanking noises, just understand that Sapiso and I are here having a lovely cup of coffee and a discussion. And if you're going Porsa, Porsa, hang on, I know that name. Porsa, you do. You do know the name because, of course, uh, Matthews Porsa was the premier of um, Pumalanga um, and he's part of the NEC and he's just been in politics and in the resistance for many, many years and part of our current politics and and just um, to, to grow up with that kind of heritage. And, of course, a mother, Pinky Posa, who also um, an absolute activist, um, a very strong woman, a businesswoman in Parliament, all the power in her own right. This is your heritage, Tsepiso. Wow. How do you deal with that? Thank you so much for the question. But um, on my side, I deal with it and I, I see it in a very, very positive light. I see my parents as leaders in which God has blessed me with to learn from so that I can take their legacy to greater heights and also create my own legacy and my own independence and also be an example not just to my family but just to South Africa and the rest of the world. So, you know, Chai FM, um, being a Jewish radio station, you know, we, we often talk about the history that we've endured, the oppression. Um, we, we, we don't have to go back too far back looking at World War II, looking at the Holocaust. And it's something that we remember all the time. And we, we've interviewed people who were the children of Holocaust survivors and the story that they took with them. Now, your parents were activists. Your mother was jailed for a while. Your father was exiled for a long period of time and you are the offspring you're the offspring and so part of you continues with that story as you say they are uh, you know a, a, a wonderful inspiration to you 
what other stories did you grow up with in terms of struggle? I know that when your mother was pregnant, she had you in her in her womb. Can you expand on that? I thought it was important for me to dig deeper as to where I come from, my existence. My mother was arrested when she was pregnant with me and two other women because they were doing, um, you know, um, in terms of the apartheid times, um, they were arrested because they felt that um, they were disrupting um, the law. And um, my mom says that when she was in jail, um, all the other women, were, the other two women were actually, you know, craving um, to eat but they were afraid because they were worried that the food would have been laced and it would have actually harmed their babies in which I was one of them and so she was surprised that I didn't actually um, you know react or give her nausea or anything she said that she was surprised that we connected that she could actually feel that I could sense that she was in trouble and I felt the need to protect her by keeping her calm and she said I was calm and and I made her relentless and it made her even stronger to say, you know, I'm going to get through this night without eating and feeding you. But when I get out, I will ensure that I have some food. And apparently when she just walked out of the prison, I started kicking like I need to eat now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as per our first guest, we, as I said, you know, with, with Women's Day, it's, it's the power and the spirit and the resilience of a woman. And your mother is a powerful woman. And to grow up with a powerful mother must be inspiring, maybe intimidating at the same time. You call your mother? What, what do you call your mom? I call my mother Mamzo. Mamzo. Um, the only, uh, only child of hers that actually calls her Mamzo. It was just something that grew with me. And then I call her Zozo in short. But what I respect about my mother is that, um, as much as she had a husband who was, you know, working really hard and all of those things, but she felt the need to also stand on her own and, you know, venture to her own things and I felt that that was very crucial to say that as a woman just because your husband is providing for you it's also important for you to have something of your own and I thought that was very very inspiring for me that regardless of what they have achieved um, on our behalf for the family and for the country and the world at the same time as individuals it's also our responsibility to show gratitude through our actions and through how we also um, engage with Communities, and that's why, in terms of um, my primary business in petroleum, I actually felt the need to adopt three orphanages in which we do feeding schemes, skills development, HIV awareness for, and. Um, we're not waiting for the government to do something. I feel that also as corporates, it's our responsibility to come up with various platforms and create jobs on our own to improve our economy because at the same time, it still affects each and every individual. And us sitting back pointing fingers is not going to solve the problem. My biggest fear is stagnation. I'd rather do something, even if it, it puts in 10% um, towards our economy, at least it's still 10% that the economy did not have. Hmm. Okay, so you've been hugely inspired by your very powerful mother. I love it, and you're passing it on. We're going to take a break. After the break, I want to talk about this book. I want to talk about fueling futures. You spoke about petroleum. You spoke about the, the industry very vaguely that you're in. Let's expand on that. And, and, and I want you to tell me why at the age of 28 you've written a book to inspire other people. So stay with us. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.
Welcome back. This is 101.9 High FM, the DL Link show. Thanks so much for staying with us. Sepiso Ponce is in the studio. Um, she co-wrote a book with Timothy Maurice Webster, Fueling Futures from Influence to Impact. And just before the break, Sepiso, I said to you, 28 years old, you've had a phenomenal career. You've had great success in the fuel industry. Now, as far as I know, the fuel industry is for men. Am I very old-fashioned? No, you're very incorrect. <laughs> it's just that I'm um, globally 20% of the women of women are involved in the petroleum um, industry because it's a very tough industry to be involved in. It's very shrewd business, and um, you need to really be hands-on in order for it to be successful. Uh-huh. It's easy for you to fail if you don't have control of your cash flow, and if you are not hands-on, you're really going to get into some trouble. Um, and you need to know the business. So what happened? How I got involved in petroleum is I was studying at Varsity College. Um, and um, my father, I wanted an internship, and my father just bought over a company called Brains Oil. And he said to me, I'm not going to let you go and work for another industry. Um, I want you to understand the family business. And I said to myself, what am I doing at Brains Oil? But yeah. my strengths are PR and marketing. And he realized that the industry really, really needs strategic uh, PR and marketing um, gurus. And um, if I must say so myself, I've really, really excelled. I mean, I got distinctions for PR and marketing in Boston College. So I was like, what am I doing here? I, got, I went under into for about a year at um, in Centurion Irene Brent Oil head offices and I went to training in Cape Town with the Brent Oil um a colleague of ours um, in which she was involved with the family business which was Brent Oil at the time and Brent Oil merged with Puma Energy but prior to them merging what happened is I was I felt that I was ready to tap into the space and own my own retail site so now I went and studied how it actually is to actually be in retail for a few months prior to actually acquiring the property uh, the property and the business in now spread on the N4 and I took over in 2000 and late 2014 and then I started um, with 175,000 liters, and we pushed it up to about 350,000 liters. I sold the business last year for at 350,000 liters, and I think that's wow. a phenomenal growth in just the space of four years. I think it's amazing, and um, I felt that it was important for me to prove a point because people said, you're 28, what are you going to do? But with my skills, um, with engaging and collaborating with other businesses, I was able to draw feet to the site. I started sponsoring um, Mpumalanga's um, rugby union in terms of giving the players loyalty cards and man of the match vouchers in which we, in exchange, we were selling the tickets at the site. Those are the kind of marketing strategies that we use to get people to come to the filling station because in Mpumalanga, rugby is a very, very big um, uh, sport and that people support. So I wanted to get that leverage and um, also partnered with Mrs. Mpumalanga in terms of um, up fuel in the in the book we talk about um, female fuel um, fueling other women to um, achieve their goals and also assisting them with their charity projects in which I head their CSI department and um, I'm I feel that it's really important for us to involve the communities within our industries and also to collaborate. So all this experience, all the um, interaction you're having, obviously, within the community, why this book? Why a leadership memoir? How did you come into contact with um, Timothy, and why did you feel you had something to offer? I felt that I had something to offer because um, I realized that when I... When I was growing up, people felt that I was privileged and I didn't have to work for certain um, achievements or certain things that I, I, I gained from my parents, but they didn't realize that I also lived a normal life. I was human and I also had challenges in which, regardless of my background, is what life 
brings, in which I elaborate in the book, I speak about the fact that I was raped at the age of six and that played a role in my life in terms of how I made certain decisions. I was a very broken uh, person um, while growing up because I felt that I, I deserved bad behavior and I, I needed to accept being abused from friends, um, from colleagues, from, um, from, from family members. And I always sold myself short and I felt that it's important for me to speak to the woman who was raped before and or someone who's or the man who's been raped before and has no platforms to talk about it but to say let's walk a journey together I've been through this and this is how I've overcome it that's why in the book at, at the end of each chapter what we do is we create um, refill moments so I share my story and then I engage the reader to also share their deepest pains and so that we are able to walk the journey together and for them to you know, address and ask themselves questions in which no one's asked them before so that they can also be able to understand themselves. That's why in the book we start with the first chapter saying discovering your fuel. Discovering your fuel is very difficult because I always... um uh, I always say in the book, people lie to themselves more than they lie to others. Therefore, when it comes to positioning yourself and in terms of which who you want to work with, which type of friends you want to associate yourself with, you sometimes confuse. But if you know yourself, your inner fuel, then you'll understand how to align yourself and therefore finding your purpose will be easier. Mm. So it's quite, I mean, quite personal. You know, you're inspiring people. You're saying, I'm human. Um, you may think that I'm something, but I've had a normal life. But coming, you know, very public with, with a rape, with you attempting suicide, with all of these difficulties, even personal issues around your father and having another sister that you didn't know about, that's, that's a lot for you to expose. Were you quite happy to do it? Did it take a while? Or do you think that's the way you connect? People see the human side in you. It was very difficult, um, you know, even in the process of the book, I said to my parents, they they will have no say in what I put in the book. Because I'm a principled person, I believe in respect, I will put it out to the, my story out to the world in a respectful manner. But at the same time, I'm not going to uh, lie or sugarcoat anything because I believe we live in a world where people are fake and I am a very authentic soul and I'm, and I'm looking to touch people authentically and I wanted the reader to also be able to relate with me that I am a human being and I've also been through certain challenges not to look at the accolades and the businesses that I run but to say that regardless of what I went through I used my pain and I transformed it into power so right now my pains are making me money mm-hmm. love it okay so it's in the bookshops all the good bookshops um, I know it was just released recently in July Fueling Futures from Influence to Impact um, Tsipiso Poza and uh, um, Timothy Maurice Webster um, really really a wonderful book um, I wanted to say to people that I mentioned to you that we, we talk a lot about cancer in the show and you were saying that you do a lot of support of cancer organizations in Pumbalanga. Yes, I've been supporting cancer. I lost my grandmother in 2010 um, to breast cancer and um, I felt that it's important for us to collaborate and, you know, give back to the cancer, um, the cancer patient because... It's a very, very difficult journey. I mean, I've seen it. It even brings tears to my eyes still today, um, how I saw my grandmother suffering. And um, so it, it comes from my heart that I want to assist those families that actually can't afford to even, you know, um, you know, you know, uh, go through this um, process of cancer and the leukemia. Um, what is it? 
Yeah, the, 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 the treatment. The treatment. Yeah, the chemotherapy. 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 Um, so I've partnered with um, the Cancer Association for about four years now, and I'm also hosting an, well, hosting an event with um, Jenna Clifford on, in October to give back to cancer. So we've invo- invited um, a few corporates to come together, and all proceeds go to cancer. Mm, fantastic. To be so tomorrow, Women's Day. Um, here you are. You are living your truth. You've put it out there. You're inspiring people. You say, go within, be the best that you can be, turn your pain into power. What are you going to be doing? Are you going to be celebrating with the incredible woman tomorrow? So tomorrow we're going to be involved in a march in Bumalanga, which is going to be involving 500 wow, uh, wow, wow. women and men in the location. Um, of all races to say, you know, there needs to be, it's time for gender equality. It's time for us to stop um, looking at race and start focusing more on people and character. And if there's a characteristic problem, then it's fine for, it's fine for us to sit down and talk and actually engage and help empower somebody to actually know that there's an emotional fuel that you need to, you know, master and, you know, I feel that people need to stop focusing on the race and focus on the vision and what the country needs and also treating people like people. Spiesel, what a pleasure. You are a shining star, and I think you're just going to shine brighter and brighter and brighter and brighten all those who come along with you. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Women's Day. Oh, happy Women's Day. Spiesel, Posa, and Timothy Maurice Webster's book, Fueling Futures from Influence to Impact, on 101.9 High FM. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Ah, oh, and welcome back. This is the DR Link Show. I hope that you are enjoying it. Um, that, of course, was Tepiso Posa. Um, and now we move on to a two-time breast cancer survivor. Um, she really has faced so much in her personal space, coming to terms with divorce and becoming empowered in the process, so much so that um, she was recently a speaker at a DL event, um, a DL link event. Um, Leah, her dad on the show. Leah, welcome, love. It's so lovely to have you on the show. We know one another from the past. We do. Of course, we do. We've spoken many times. Oh, Leah, how are you? How are you doing? Thank God, I'm doing well. Um, Women's Day coming tomorrow, one thing all my journey has taught me, yes. and specifically breast cancer itself. Uh, I've gone through a major spiritual path from the very beginning. My first lot was when I was 34 with a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Sure. And one thing that became very clear, which would be a very big message for me, for all the women out there, is that we forget to nurture ourselves. And breast cancer is really part of what nurturing is all about. Mm. And we forget to stop. We nurture our kids. We nurture our husbands. We nurture everyone. Everyone takes advantage of us. And we just don't get refueled. And one thing we've always got to realize, that if we don't refill ourselves, how are we going to nurture others? So through my process, yes, it's been twice. And, yes, there was a divorce at the end of it. Because the other thing that we need to be very aware of in our lives and it doesn't necessarily just have to be husbands and hopefully not in many cases is if there's people around us that pull us down and take our feminism away from us and take us away from who we really are and take us away from our happiness sometimes we've got to put a stop to it and just move on 
So I, wow, okay, so let me unpack that and let's go back to the beginning when you say as a woman we are nurturers and we need to nurture ourselves. And with Women's Day tomorrow, let's unpack that, Leah. What does that mean? What does is, what is self-nurturing actually mean? Every woman's got to find, I mean, that is part of my very much workshop that I did give to the Dear Link, which uh-huh. is about self-love and self-worth. We've got to learn to love ourselves. And what is love? Love is give. So we've got to learn to give ourselves and everyone gives themselves or everyone gets, every woman will be happy with different things. But one of my priorities, you've got to look after your mental and spiritual mind, be it through a good friend that you go and speak to and make sure you speak to a good friend once a week. It's not go for coffee with a friend. Alternatively, if you're really struggling emotionally with anything, there's no embarrassment going to a psychologist. Mm. Uh, I'm a firm believer more on the spiritual side, so I would go and look after myself by going for body talk once once a month. But everyone needs to find their own niche. Um, we need to find our time out. We need to meditate, have quiet times, replenish ourselves, go spoil ourselves, give ourselves. That is what nurturing is about. Mm. It's loving ourselves. Mm. Mm. And also what comes up for me when we talk about nurturing, um, so that's a lot of the action taking in nurturing, is sometimes just being quiet enough with ourselves to allow our true wisdom to rise up. You know what I'm saying? We're so busy doing and fixing everyone else and being in service. and And sometimes the nurturing is just listening to the voice and the wisdom within us that so wants to be heard. Wow. I think it's such a lovely thing to think about, Leah, for, for Women's Day for tomorrow. The, a very strong message is to nurture oneself. And do things for ourselves. One of the things I've implemented greatly in my life in the last two years, and it is just phenomenal of like the doctor's, Seeing my blood results and all, um, I've started dancing a hell of a lot. Oh, so oh. I do ballroom and Latin and salsa and Argentinian tango. And oh. it's just a place where you get away from, you, you just connect to yourself, to your happy space. Do and I it just love that. fuels you beyond. Mm, do I listen, I love dancing. And I, I mean, that's where you and I first met. We were dancing think, yeah. actually, and there you yeah, we were. Did. You would always, you would always walk away beaming, literally beaming, like glowing. And you said, "This, this was just. It meant everything." And 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 Joe's sitting opposite me, and you know, she's so she's our our warrior today on the show, and she's so in treatment at the moment that everything's being stripped away. But I think the dancing has caught. I saw a little sparkle in her eye. I think that's something. Where do you go dancing, Leah? Where? Where's this Argentinian tango uh, taking place? Come on, share. Johannesburg, Johannesburg salsa community is very mixed, but very big. There are always parties. Oh. Uh, these mini studios, they teach these studios all over town. I mean, yeah, I am advertising them, but they okay. have like changed my life. They beautiful, the beautiful. Community. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Now nice listen. Woman. I love it. Leah, you're going to come onto the show and we're going to hear your story, but I love the message that you've given our women for tomorrow and for our men as well. Self nurturing. Time out. Think of self. Thank you so much, Leah. So lovely having you on the show. Take care and all my love. Mwah, mwah, mwah.
Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Leah. Haddad, a very special human being. And before we say goodbye, Joe van der Molen, we never say goodbye. <laughs> I hope you stayed for a reason. I saw yeah, you taking it's notes. Wonderful. Thank you. It's You're going to be on the show again, and we're going to be talking about your recovery. Yes. And I'm yes. looking forward to that. Joe, God Thank bless you. you. Wishing you health, vitality. Thank you, Nikki. All of our love, strength, and support. Thank you. Take care. And every, what, every woman is a warrior. Every woman is and a warrior. We must look after ourselves. Thank you, Joe. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you, Joan. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your Women's Day tomorrow. Thank, oh, you. thank you. And for me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, do take care. Goodbye.